I'm Trixie. And I'm Weege. And we are 33XPL. We love horse racing. And we teach you about it so you can have fun with us. Every week, we publish podcast episodes across a ton of platforms and also on YouTube. 33XPL is on Instagram and Pinterest too. You'll find exclusive video lessons, other content, and more fun stuff at our free community. Just go to www.33xpl.com, log in with your email, and you're there. No spam, no gimmicks, just a place where new fans and fun lovers can get together to learn and share. Well, hello there, Weege. How the hell are you? I'm the hell fine. How are you, Trixie? I am well, and we have got an interesting uh, podcast episode for the people. Seth Fishman was convicted of the counts against him and faces potentially up to 20 years in prison. But the kind of people who are testifying against him are not exactly inspiring confidence themselves that they wouldn't say anything they had to to get out of trouble. And there's some big plea deals at work here. Yep. We wanted to kind of cover the whole situation just because it is so weird and outrageous. And it's not new. Doping is not a new idea by any stretch of the imagination. But we wanted to share what's going on right now. And especially we've been following it. And even as we've been following it, I mean, Trixie, could you ever, the deep dive that we did, I had no idea about like at least 75% of it, like 25% knowledge, 75% what? (laughs) And we we just kept uncovering more things to say that people involved in this case from all angles have what might be called conflicted motives is an understatement. It is a crazy bunch of interlocking stories. We kind of freeformed on these different topics, sort of going through the whole case as we could. So it's going to be chunked up into kind of subjects according to the weird character that we're talking about. Um, We have tons of links because we actually did you know, research, which is crazy, but we did. (laughs) And so we we will actually have, thank you, uh, Ryan, another crooked vet, we will have ass loads of links um, that you can click on to see where we got the information and if there's more that you want to learn. Fishman, who I have to be honest, is more fascinating than all of these people. (laughs) He really is. He really is. I I can't wait to get more Fishman. Fishman is like an Elmore Leonard character come to life. He is (laughs) definitely Dr. Seth Fishman is so good. If you wrote him, people would say you went too far. You just went too far. So the first thing to know about Seth Fishman veterinarian at large is that he wasn't a real good student and he wasn't, he wasn't what you'd call like the smartest in his class. So when he decided to start his crusade to, to represent all good things for animals all the time. <laughs> he went he went to In a, a veteran- Hunter S. Thompson sort of way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. He went to St. Kitts, one of the Leeward Islands in the Caribbean, to get his veterinarian school license. Because, as we all know, Caribbean medical schools are the bomb diggity. They're the best. <laughs> and there are no scandals of any sort that have to do with, like, people churning out medical degrees from very small, you know, very right. sketchy uh, Caribbean schools. Okay. Anyway, he, he went to a fine school, I'm sure. Uh, although, it should be said that while he was going to school uh, in the Caribbean, for vet school. He was arrested for cocaine um, <laughs> because, you know, sometimes you've got to study, right? You know, and yeah, you you got to work that out. I mean, come on. You got to keep alert. Stay awake. Studying, That's right. Studying for all of those exams. In studying vet school. stuff. I'm in, studying in vet kids. stuff and it's yeah. hard. It's hard. I mean, 
most people, I mean, in the, in the U S at least on the mainland, most people will say that getting into vet school is harder than getting into med school because there are fewer of them. So the competition is very, very high to get in them. So people have to be really top students to get into uh, U.S. vet schools. And I'm sure that's probably true for this Caribbean school in St. Kitts, where he was using a lot of cocaine because he just had to study so much. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, yep. he, and he says, oh, this is great. This is a quote about uh, cocaine his cocaine use <laughs> while he was at school. I was living in an island where it was legal, Fishman said. Well, I shouldn't say legal, but if you want to get cocaine, you buy it from a police officer. <laughs> so that seems nice. Okay. All right. So that's good. So the first place he goes after graduation, Dr. Seth Fishman, is he heads to Florida where he's going to rehabilitate racehorses. <laughs> Which seems, Wait, you know, also he had another pastime. Did you want to mention? Was it Bangkok? It was, it was, I think it was in Bangkok. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he was doing, he was like a race, like a fight promoter in Bangkok too. Yeah. Uh, now of course I can't find it. Well, anyway. What, yeah. We but on. let's just, we just add it to the, to the bouquet. That yeah. It really Fishman. belongs in the, in the bouquet of, you know. The, the the sketchy DVM the right the, the weird so, fight promotion the the you know overseas uh, you know well and he and he had a little bit of a like he he started to re- rehabilitate racehorses we'll call it like doing therapy and you know helping them when they needed uh, recovery. Anyway, somehow he got connected with David H. Brooks, who was a tycoon who'd made his fortune in body armor and had uh, gotten into harness racing. Um, harness racing, which uses standard bred, standard bred horses, not thoroughbred horses, but harness racing is a form of racing, obviously. Um, so David H. Brooks... Um, hired Fishman to care for his horses, and Brooks was indicted in 2007 for fraud, securities fraud, worth like $190 million. So that was Fishman's boss. Fishman apparently flipped on his boss, at least that's what the Post article says, and says that Brooks had urged him to use his pharmaceutical know-how to create a pill to erase the memory of a potential key witness. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that would be great. God, the Dr. Be... Fishman pill for troubling witnesses. <laughs> I swear, I want to create that bottle. We need to create that bottle. I know, I know. So <laughs> here's he, your prescription. <laughs> so even though it seems as if people felt that in 2007, Fishman had been perhaps working uh, illicitly with the horses with chemicals, and that's how Brooks knew about his uh, chemical facility or his, you know, his great abilities with being a... Uh, a chemical mastermind. He did not get busted then and did not get tried because he flipped on Brooks. Brooks ended up getting a 17-year prison sentence and died in jail. But that is, you know, Fishman showing up in the late 2000s as a character of note in horse doping. So after that time, he became sort of a go-to for lots of people, it seems, we allegedly or something. Sure. Um, had he became a go-to for people who wanted untraceable things to improve their horse performance. And that would eventually include among people who basically turned state's evidence, um, harness race trainers including Adrian Hall and I forget his first name, Cohen. But Cohen, who was using Fishman services, is himself a previous dirtbag. And I can say that because he had multiple suspensions for drugging horses and race fixing. So this guy 
ends up not only turning state's evidence, but state's evidence against Fishman. So that guy is in front of a jury. You know, he's the paragon of righteousness, right? He has got, he's been banned from Monticello and from Yonkers. He's been banned from various facilities. He, you know, like I said, has doping and race fixing in his background. But when he gets up and tells you what he thinks about Seth Fishman, you can believe him. You can absolutely believe him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A guy with integrity. With integrity. Now, none of this is to say Fishman is clean, but the people that they have testifying against him are also super duper not clean. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he, uh, Fishman says he talks about medicine of therapeutic value. Okay. But when the investigation was going on against his first big boss, Brooks, the the state trooper who initiated that investigation is Bryce Coat, and that is the guy who went to go work for the owner of the Meadowlands, the Meadowlands, yeah, Jeff Girl, who ended up with a, you know, I mean, how can we put it? Like a hard-on for Fishman and some other people that he wanted mm-hmm. to get rid of. Doesn't mean that they were clean. Maybe he wanted to get rid of them for very good reasons. One of the other interesting things that we have to mention is that one of the members of the jockey club and one of the people that Fishman was apparently working with through Navarro and also through wiretaps that say he had um, helped the Sheik with a $2 million program in his equine hospital is the prime minister of the UAE. And also he's got some title. The Sheik in, of Dubai, we'll call him. <laughs> the Sheik of Dubai. Yeah, that's good. He's He's got so many minister of defense of the UAE. He's got a million different titles. So the Sheik of Dubai, according to wiretaps that they caught from Dr. Fishman, had a $2 million program in his equine hospital, improving the performance of his horses through what we don't know, but through some system. And those systems were also what Jorge Navarro was using with his horses he was training, which included horses racing in the Mideast. And so um, when they had a win in what was it? It was the Saudi Cup or the Mideast Cup or something. Jorge Navarro, the trainer, texted uh, Fishman going, hey, we won, you know, and you, thanks, boss, you had a lot to do with it. Or, you know, Fishman texted him congratulations, and he thanked Fishman for his contribution to the uh, to the performance. So the Sheik of Dubai is not only a member of the jockey club, which paid for the investigation against Fishman, but he is also allegedly a client of Fishman, mm-hmm. a very huge Rich client of Fishman. Yep. Which leads to Weege and I having some interesting speculation about the compounders and the labs that were making the various untraceable substances. Do you want to go through some of the names of these crazy substances that that he was selling? Fishman, Fishman's, I guess we could call her lab assistant, something what we would call her, like whatever. I think it's Lisa Gianelli. Lisa Gianelli. Thank you. She worked in his office and she was just labeling up stuff. People would call him and she would just label it and send it. And she is something like, if you've ever seen the SNL skit, you know, he just loves animals. He's an enthusiast. He doesn't know a lot about Brian Fellows. I'm Brian Fellows. I'm Brian Fellows. Yeah. Brian Fellows. And he's just an enthusiast for animals. He doesn't really have a high school degree. He just thinks animals are crazy. So (laughs) Lisa Ginelli is working in Fishman's office and she doesn't seem maybe to have the background you would want for someone handling medications for very precious animals. She is um, 
working, logging up all these things like frozen pain and HP bleeder, HP bleeder and special super pain hotshot and like all of these things with these crazy names, names actually somewhat similar to what we heard. Medivet Equines, Autologous Condition Serum, which Medivet Equine is no more. But we know that Medivet Equine that was um, being promoted, like with sales blurbs from Dr. Christian Rhine, who has already been busted to the tune of three years in a Long Island federal facility and over a million dollars that he has to pay. He was pimping Medivet Equine and Medivet Equine was producing various substances. So I guess let's call them like a compounding equine therapy right. lab or something like that. Right. Except it was like, you know, out of an office <laughs> right. yeah. where stuff was everywhere. And I think there was like dripping water and there was like a white film all over everything. <laughs> so it was like somebody's basement, not a meth lab. Sort of looked like one, though. Sort of looked what like I understand. one. Um, and they specialize in regenerative treatments that help the body heal itself and build strength naturally with products that activate stem cells. That's right. When in doubt, it's stem cells. And there is there was another product called Frozen Pain, and they got on on uh, the wire with Fishman, where he's talking to someone who's asking him questions about it an unidentified someone. So we don't know if it was someone setting him up or someone who just, they would not prosecute. But the person asking him about frozen pain was like, this isn't traceable, is it? And he's like, uh, well, you know, anytime you give a horse something, it's doping. So don't be, don't be mistaken about that. But whether or not it's testable, well, that's a different story. Right. You know, so he he wasn't exactly hedging that you shouldn't be giving him something, but he also was saying, but they're not going to find it in testing. Right. Um, another thing, another link we will include, dear listener, is there is a roundup of all of the days of trial, which have uh, summaries of this material and some of the kind of highlights. So Dr. Fishman continues on his merry way, and he's making all these things. And we have these compounding places like Medivet Equine and also um, Weege. There was a place in Australia you found that they were partnered with or that Medivet Equine was partnered with, and they were making these supplements and, you know, special helpy helper drugs for horses. One of the harness racers who got busted, Cohen, uh, anyway, he was the trainer who got busted, um, the harness trainer, and he is got lots of egregious conduct in his past. Anyway, he was complaining that something that he bought from Seth Fishman wasn't working like it was supposed to. It was working inconsistently. And Dr. Fishman said he was having trouble finding good places to make it. And Weege happened to notice that there was a, maybe we could call it a supply chain problem mm -hmm. with Medivet Equine and the Australian lab. So right. do you want and to talk about that a little bit? Release that, you know, we could, we could also link that if you, okay. if anybody wanted to see it, but it basically states that um, they're not affiliated with that other lab and, you know, any longer due to issues with um, strategy <laughs> and, um, you know, odd, odd words. It seems possible that he had sort of a couple different places where this stuff was being manufactured uh, successfully, but there was a breakup um, with these um, firms and it seems like after that, Medivet Equine was no longer able on its own, perhaps because it just looked like a crack lab run in someone's office building. Mm -hmm. um, they were no longer able to manufacture the products reliably. And so some of these were not very good. 
prosecutors have alleged that Fishman was selling products to a veterinarian engaged in training horses for Olympic equestrian events. Mm. Fishman has also admitted to making substances for foreign distribution. It says one of the details the defense is hoping to preclude from the trial is an allegation from the prosecution that Fishman was solicited by the Arab United Arab Emirates Presidential Affairs Department, Sector of Scientific Centers, and Presidential Camel Department to distribute performance-enhancing drugs and to create and distribute other illegal drugs. Because what happened is after all these wiretaps in the middle of 2019, they finally assembled um, enough stuff to basically swoop down and do all these arrests. So in October, they arrested Fishman in Miami. And when they did, a representative of the quote-unquote presidential camel department of Dubai showed up to testify that Fishman was doing official work for them and that the the drugs that he had been importing, because he was just getting back, actually, we should say, from a multi-week trip to the United Arab Emirates when he was greeted by federal agents at Miami International. So he said that his work in Dubai was all about the camels. Mm -hmm. It's all about the camels. He was managing the camel breeding, uh, also fending off the spread of zoonotic diseases and African sleeping sickness. And they, uh, agents in Boca Raton seized hundreds of vials from a storage unit that Fishman had. And it was after that, a lawyer who said he represented Dubai's presidential camel department sprang into action and argued in U.S. court that the substances were tonics urgently needed while the beasts were in heat. So apparently taking care of camels is what the prosecutors allege. Taking care of Dubawi camels is what the prosecutors say was a cover for performance enhancing drugs for racehorses and that he was doing it for the heads of Dubai, we and, must and say, the, we can't know whether or not um, the Sheikh of Dubai was involved and in what way. Uh, how how could we know? If if the prosecutors can't be sure, and the defense and the jury aren't sure, we certainly don't know. Clubs like us, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but let's say let's say but, all we were doing was spinning hypothetical scenarios, right, which alleged, is exactly allegedly hypothetically what we're doing. <laughs> so hypothetically and allegedly, if I was spinning scenarios, I would think to myself that okay, the Medivet place was teamed up with a legit compounder in Australia that actually was able to manufacture these things reliably. And when the there was a breakup between the Australian place and uh, Medivet here in the US, that would have hindered Seth Fishman's ability to get the compounds that he wanted. But that doesn't mean it would affect international customers' ability to get those compounds because they could buy them from the Australian compounder, that lab, who must have all the formulas, all of his special sauce formulas, his secret recipes, because they were making it for him. So perhaps it's possible, if I were speculating, Mm -hmm. international customers might not care What happens to Dr. Fishman? Because they already have a a boutique of untraceable Fishman special sauce. (laughs) We already got your special sauce, dude. (laughs) Right. Being made by a compounder in a place where there is no U.S. jurisdiction or racing interference at all. So perhaps then someone, let's say, a sheik sitting on a, a jockey club board, for example, could just say, yes, punish him. Of course we want horse doping gone. And of course he would because, and this is hypothetical, alleged, 
But if I were that sheik, I'm not saying he's like this. He's right. probably upright. But if I were in such a position, I could certainly see the advantage of saying, ooh, yes, get rid of the dopers because then I'm the only one with Dr. Fishman's <laughs> special sauce because it's basically She's been gone. closed out They're in the gone. U.S. Everybody's Nobody's gone got it. and I got the sauce. <laughs> that This is a thing that I would think because I am not an upright person who could compete or or operate my life at the high levels that these people do. So because I'm not right. like that, I speculate in schlubby, dirty, well, grimy ways. And then we can also take it back to let's restore the sanctity of the jockey club book. All right. Right. Let's, let's protect the integrity. Actually, you're right. This is another great speculation that you were talking about earlier. Let's dig into this. Like why why else? Weege, let me just set you up the softball. Why would the jockey club, I need it. <laughs> why would the jockey club be interested in getting rid of these dopers like Jason Service and uh, like uh, the the kind of people who are the customers of Dr. Seth Fishman? Why would they want to get rid of such folks? Because <laughs> uh, Mr. Service was able to take very low level horses. Um, you know, claimers and make them into Kentucky Derby winners and, you know, multi-million dollar winners in very short amounts of time. And how do you do that? Well, you can wave your wand. You can <laughs> you can magic. That's right. Or you can add a little something to that horse's uh, bloodstream that might allow them or enable them to run faster when needed. So, um, really, he would take cheap horses and juice them up and get them to really perform highly. And then we don't want those types of non blue blooded horses <laughs> right. in our- running down the value of our studs. So, everybody can't be a champion. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, well, and if so, really, if, the idea is that you know you don't want just any horse with a low level lineage. If you look at um, Medina Spirit, God rest your soul, just I know. done, um, was being juiced. Um, we've you know allegedly heard, um, you know, also passed away recently. So you know that horse was you know the victim of some of these practices, and that was a horse that was really you know making its way through just burning holes in the industry with its speed and grace. But it, it you know it did take a toll on the horse, and the horse had a heart attack and died. You know, same, kind of same scenario with Medina Spirit. And these horses, as they win, they become desirable as sires, or they could be. You know, they start to, um, you know, gain uh, this sort of gravitational pull. Right. I mean, if you think <laughs> that horse winning all breed. these races yeah. is going to be able to um, transmit that quality to their foals, to the offspring, then a horse that's basically a cheap, claimer juiced to the bejesus is then going to have great stud value. Right. And so you can see where someone else who has other um, high ranked, exclusive, expensive studs doesn't want these cheap horses, first of all, winning, making it look like your lineage doesn't matter because if you uh -huh. take the right substances it doesn't matter what you're made of. We can we can juice you into Superman, but also uh, going on if these things are undetected, going on to having uh, powerful stud careers that are also very pricey, and causing the demand for other uh, well-priced studs to go down, or well-priced mares, or you know other breeding stock. Those values go down because everybody, you know, let's say they didn't know. XY Jet had been doped and XY Jet survived, people would go, this horse is hot. I should definitely, you know, take this as a breeding prospect. And, you know, as we know, um, horses like Into Mischief, who have strong effect on their offspring, he's making like a quarter million dollars a pop. So that is a very compelling reason um, that 
obviously you don't want uh, super cheap horses to be able to compete with the with the blue blood horses, and you don't want to drive down the value of the breeding program, and you don't want to drive down the value of your breeding program. That right? is exactly <laughs> correct, because the American Stud Book, um, the phrase "closing the book" comes from stud books, the stud book in England, and we have the American Stud Book. And what that means is, if your horse is not in that book, their relative. What I mean. Their relatives, their direct mother and dad are not in the stud book. Your horse is not a thoroughbred. So that book is closed. So when we're taking horses of different lines and we're breeding them together because we're looking to create combinations of attributes that will make for great racehorses, and then somebody comes with like a sort of undistinguished thoroughbred from a, yeah, it's a thoroughbred and another thoroughbred, but not so much to write home about, and then gives it enough Capri Sun to make it a seven-figure winner, people are not going to feel too excited about that if it's taking money out of their pocket. Right. And these these substances were pretty dramatic, and they were working within a couple weeks. Because they, there's a trainer, Adrian Hall, who was a harness trainer, and she testified that Fishman gave her PEDs for her horses, and she called him and got taped, <laughs> bragging crazy. about how how her horse. It's like it was a whole other horse. They were so dominant, and it they improved were winning. by two seconds. <laughs> it improved, yeah, it improved like from like it was like 29 seconds down to like 27, and she's like, "Oh, it was great." Yeah, who you does know, that? So- Nobody. <laughs> That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, yeah. But so it happens he, when they're juiced. So it does. It does happen when they're juiced. So um, Fishman has been saying um, in tapes with Adrian Hall that look, the, basically the program he's giving her, he's saying this is a program Dubai Equine spent probably $2 million devising for their thoroughbreds. You know, it's part of a program. Um, there's other stuff too. This is what they do for all their horses. Overall, they're very happy. Sheikh Mohammed Maktoum said the best three years, you know, in the 30 years he's been racing, they're very happy. So I'm sharing stuff with you. But I'm saying they rated his storage facility in Boca Raton and found tons of vials of stuff. So my guess is whenever the manufacturing situation broke down, he stockpiled everything he had Mm -hmm. and was still selling it. But not all of it was working that well. Maybe it was expiring or something like that because certainly the other harness trainer, Cohen, was having problems with it not performing. And Fishman told him, uh, I'm going to stop selling it because it's not working consistently. Right. But I wonder if he just couldn't get the real stuff anymore. So he was- Well, some of the horses know. were dying as well. So- Well, that is a kind of a classic definition of not working. Right. It wasn't all heart attacks. <laughs> I mean, it was just some, yeah, some of them were, it, the description were just were truly- Dropping over. Horrid. Yeah. That's horrifying. Horrible. No, We find none of this funny- I mean, if we're kind of giggling, it's only because of our knowledge, our crustiness and knowledge of human nature and our ability to um, enjoy following the line from the person to the dollar. Yeah. (laughs) It is not about enjoying anything that's going on or um, making light of what has happened to the horses because if you listen to us, you know, we love them. We love them more than everything. And we want to see them treated well, and we want to see the sport run well. And we think, crazy enough, that it's, well, maybe it can't be run well, but it can certainly be run a whole lot better than it is now. It could be so much better, so much cleaner, so much nicer. It could be so much better for the horses and the people who work in it. Um, And there are lots of people who are great. And there are lots of horses who are well-treated and who are not having this kind of stuff happen to them. So, but definitely right. so where this like, is happening, yeah, we, like we're, we don't turn our eyes away and pretend like it's all Disney Especially World because it, it isn't. Right. It we isn't. don't turn our eyes away. And the fact is this is so messed up that it's extremely interesting. And that's why we wanted to share it with you. We started looking at this and all of a sudden we're like, 
geez, man, this is so complicated. I, I felt like I needed a chart. <laughs> it's I, I'm literally sitting here with all these notes. Both of us have like piles of tabs open just to refer to all the different things. And I'm sure we're, we've still left things very confusing and we haven't covered all the players, but no. we just covered some of the major ones, including Fishman, the guy with the cocaine fueled Caribbean vet degree who was working as a presidential camel vet and doping the crap, you know, out of horses. Oh, and now, you know, we didn't even cover the, okay. So Fishman didn't show up because he's in the hospital, but Fishman's point now is that he says his, his quote is, you know, I've got stage three thyroid cancer. So, you know, I guess it's my time to go. And he says that the reason, so this is a quote from the post. Fishman claimed the real motive of those seeking regulatory reform was to make the sport more palatable for betters by eradicating any foreign substances at the expense of the animals. Now, this kind of gets to something we've mentioned briefly, like the Lasix um, controversy. There are people on both sides of Lasix. There are people who are very much for Lasix, and there are people who are very much against it, and people who would consider themselves horse lovers on both sides. But Fishman says, look, you don't care about the horses at all. You just want everything clean. So even so he says he has stage three thyroid cancer and no children. So he feels comfortable rolling the dice at trial, declaring, I'm going to take one for the team of veterinarians. Well, Dr. Christian Ryan did not take one because he just ponied up and said he was guilty and got fined and is going to jail. Mm -hmm. So we will, we'll kind of see what happens, but this is a super tangled story. And we wanted to go back and talk about the previous investigations that Fishman had touched upon um, and how that tied in with the owner of the Meadowlands, who is a member of the Jockey Club and the work he had done for the Sheik of Dubai, who is a member of the Jockey Club uh -huh. and how all these strange, twisted, intertangled webs put us in a situation where you have complete scumbags on the stand testifying to a jury of supposedly regular people about how, sure, I was suspended from racing, and sure, I'm not allowed to race here and not allowed to race there, and sure, I fixed some races, and sure, I doped horses, but that Fishman, he's a craphead. Like, yeah. that's, that's and okay. And it's initiated by the wealthiest of the wealthy. I don't know. It's just yes, all weird. through a highly governmentally connected uh -huh. private investigatory firm. That and why the jockey club would want to do that is one question. Yes. And whether or not the Sheik has the recipes for every bit of Fishman's special sauce <laughs> is another question that only hypothetical speculators like us who do not know the truth of the situation and cannot know, cannot know the truth, don't cannot. know the truth, that we would speculate on because we're of low quality. And of course we do. We love the horses and we want to see them protected, but we also don't think that reform comes from hiding the stuff that's happening. That's right. And that's if right. the jockey club is pushing for specific reforms, but those reforms leave them completely autonomous and able to pursue whatever they want. Meanwhile, there's no uniform code that, you know, governs all the tracks or that has any independent investigative authority or teeth for enforcement. Then whatever they say they're proposing as reform isn't exactly reform. Right. Not exactly. Right. Uh, oh, the last thing. Oh, the last thing we should say here, even though this is like the longest podcast ever, but we did want to talk about tied in with this. Pennsylvania just passed as a state, because of course everything is at state level, mm -hmm. a pack of horse racing reforms. And Lord knows they should because Parks, <laughs> Parks is, is so dirty. <laughs> Parks is legendary for being dirty. Parks is 
legendary yes. for the crap that goes down. And so they they say they would like to reduce racing deaths. So on January 26th, perhaps coincidentally, while all these trials are going on, I don't know. But coincidentally, the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Commission officials announced a new plan Tuesday for improving horse safety to reduce animal fatalities as doping in the industry has generated intense public scrutiny and prompted a federal oversight law. So one thing you can bet on individual jurisdictions to do is to try to beat any sort of overhanging uniformity by saying, we've already set up our own regulations and they're even more stringent than what you would tell us to do. Mm -hmm. So we would like to be exempted from any uniform oversight. No, no, no. We're just going to do it our own way because our way is so good. Right. And if that guy doesn't have to do it, then I don't have to do it. Exactly. Exactly. So these are some horrible numbers, but I'm going to tell you. So 85 horses died at Pennsylvania's three thoroughbred tracks in 2021, including 56 at parks. Now, a certain number of horse deaths happen and they also happen in the wild because horses run on their legs. And if they badly damage their legs or they collide with each other, which happens even among like the wild Mustangs. It happens with wild horses. Um, They can get injured and deaths do happen. You know, not all horses are going to die in rocking chairs of natural causes. Right, horses have heart attacks everywhere. I mean, that happens. They do. I mean, it really does happen because because of the way their their hearts work when they're running. Even just naturally, it can happen. But these numbers are much higher than what we'd expect naturally. Racing supports 7,000 jobs in Pennsylvania, it says, and has drawn about $3 billion diverted from slot machine revenue to subsidize it. Mm. So they created a safety working group with racetrack executives, thoroughbred horsemen, vets, and four members of the racing commission. So they presented 10 items which means that veterinarians will have to um, attest that horses are in sound condition and suitable for racing. They will have to examine within 48 hours horses placed on vets list because of lameness. There will be stricter criteria, they say, to remove a horse from the vets list. Um, trainers will have to submit a pre-entry form to a panel for permission to race, which will include a horse's most recent 30-day medical report. Um, They will be able to give uh, intra-articular injections, which are for pain, but they will not be able to do additional injections without diagnostics. They also want to install, and this would be good, to install imaging equipment at the tracks Uh for PET scans or MRIs so they can detect muscle and bone issues in horses, which would be good so that horses who have injuries are not racing. They are also creating a database of fatalities. Um, Brian Langloy, a small animal veterinarian and advocate for horse safety, uh, or Langlois maybe, commended the plan as an amazing start during the public comment portion of the commission meeting. Um, He also urged the commission to consider penalties severe enough to act as a deterrent if rules are violated. That seems to be one of the biggest drawbacks to regulation and rules that are throughout the country in racing, he said, and we say amen, Amen, Brian. Amen, (laughs) brother. Penalties are, quote, basically just slaps on the wrist. That is correct. Yep. So another guy, uh, George Strawbridge, a Chester County horseman safety advocate, said the new safety points sound like wise steps to me. Um, He says these animals are so very vulnerable with a big body on thin legs. Exactly. The amount of breakdowns is significant and any steps that can be taken to improve the criteria for getting into a race as far as soundness is concerned is really helpful and wise step. While doping remains the industry's biggest problem, Strawbridge said cheaters often come up with a new source of stimulation that is not detectable. And amen to that too. Yes, absolutely. Pennsylvania is at least stepping up with some proposals. 
And I guess that's good because so far the Herb, uh, Hort, what is it, Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act, mm -hmm. HISA, has like kind of stalled in generating their recommendations that they're supposed to be doing so that we can have some uniform codes that apply. And HISA has kind of, I don't know, it just seems like it's stalled. So yeah. I think unless we get state activity at the state level or the track level, right now we're not getting anything from HISA. No. In terms of meaningful reform. No, there are already actions being taken against HISA from various jurisdictions and states and no one wants to be looked at. I mean, that's like, you know, someone like a salesperson's credit card being taken away. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, they do. And they do not want oversight from anyone who is not a bought and sold member of the horse group around them. Right. So right. they'll, they'll all say, oh, we're going to have on site, you know, monitoring. And I guess there was a thoroughbred safety board that for a while was providing some meaningful oversight, but it became more and more co opted, I think. And then it was not able to do really anything. Right. Um, that was something in the wagering and security paper. But anyway, um, wagering is a whole nother issue, but this is the, <laughs> but this so is many. the, there's so many issues. Uh, and yet, and yet we will be paying attention to the prep races that are coming up because, because <laughs> we're still dumb enough to stay in this, but you know, honestly, I think that from the time that we kind of started podcasting, and we decided we wanted to understand this industry more. We wanted to understand racing better and we wanted to take everybody along with us. And so we did our tour of racing and we've spent the last almost a year really getting to know the sport and things have become very like neck deep in the mud and the grossness yeah. and the poop. Um, but we're still here because I actually Despite the fact that I'm completely disgusted a lot of the time, <laughs> I find myself thinking, yeah, but are you just going to leave and not say anything? So I'm still here as long as I, you know, want to be. And I know Trixie, you're here because you're sticking with it as long as you want to. And we want to see change. And I hope that you know, what we're seeing in terms of outrage and, um, you know, productive outrage is, and there is like, outrage. it's actually going somewhere. Yeah. And I want to be clear. There are a lot of horse players yes. uh, and horse fans who are not complacent about these things going no. on. They are not excited about it. They are mad. They want things to be different. They don't want the same old, same old, and we count ourselves among them. We want sunlight to disinfect some of this stuff. Right. And yeah, we, we can demand a better sport and, you know, it's kind of up to us, not just us two, but like us, uh, as people who, uh, patronize the sport, it's up to us to demand it and say, look, if you run a scummy operation, we're not, betting at your track, especially that is probably the biggest thing you can do is if you know there are jurisdictions or tracks that run dirty, don't bet at them. Yeah. Don't definitely. encourage people to bet at them. Yep. Find places where, I mean, one of the things that we find ourselves looking at all the time as we're watching races is how the horses look because yeah. many of the horses are stabled there, especially if you're looking at claiming races, they are stabled at those tracks when they're coming out and they're going through the post parade and they're heading into the gate, do they look good? Do they look healthy? Do they look well-groomed? Yeah. Do, yeah. Cause, cause you look at their really eyes tell. and their ears and you can tell exactly what's going on. Can you see the white of their eye? Not good. Is there, <laughs> are their ears pinned back? Not good. <laughs> are they kind of, if you see, you know, yeah, if they go up and down and being crazy or aggressive, you know, sometimes thoroughbreds are, you know, pretty hot and spicy, but 
you know, sometimes they're just mental. <laughs> right. And, and like, when we look at them, like, do their coats look dull? Yeah. Do they look chipped up? Do yeah. they look like they've got little scratches on them here and there? Do they look healthy and at a good musculature? Do they look right. like they're carrying a nice amount of weight? You know, all those kinds of things. And so if you see places that are running operations like that, bet them. And if you see places that aren't running like that, don't bet them and right. don't speak their names when you're encouraging other people right. to to try this sport because we don't need any more of it. Just, yeah. Just think on it. And that's, you know, of course, allegedly. This was a really long episode, but we kind of knew it would be because to unravel this like hornet's nest of craziness and these characters and all of the involvements of the vets and the labs and the trainers um, and the owners and the jockey club people, like it just took a while to, to yeah, unravel it all. It's so much and it's too much. And it's stuff that's been going on a while. And there are so many levels of intrigue. So I probably- And it's a story that's yeah. been years in the making. Yeah. So forgive us. But we hope you enjoyed it. And we do have more scandaloso. We will have more scandaloso. They will not all take this long. We've got no. shorter scandals. No, they will not. We've got, we've got, yeah, this is this is sort of the big daddy. I don't know why we started with the big one, but it's current right now. And so we were really interested in it. But we, we will have more historical scandals and crimes of interest. And frankly, the other thing about horse racing is the people who are attracted to horse racing are intrinsically strange and fascinating. Yes. And- so that's another reason why the, their crimes are so interesting because they're odd people. I horse know. people are strange people. It's that's true. Just, you know it. The people who bet on horse racing and the people who work in horse racing were all a bunch of outlaws to some extent. <laughs> yeah, we're outlaws. Thinkers. We're oddballs. We're yeah. We're we people. know we are. Yeah, but yeah. we can still have a clean sport. So we just you know want the good stuff, but. But thank you for being with us this long, if you're with us. <gasps> thank you. If you stuck with us this long through this, I hope that you feel that you got a little bit of background on this case, and maybe you understand a little better when you hear people mentioning stuff. Check out Ouija's videos we talked about. Come to our website at www.33xpl.com. We have a community there that has some public pages where we post fun stuff for everybody to see. Um, and then we also, when you log in with your email address, have other exclusive stuff in the community that you can have access to, including a cool video on pick six races. Till next time, dear listeners, happy, happy racing, racing y'all.